0: It's the Dogcast episode number 170, Bulldogs defeat Vanderbilt and Brian Evans 24-14. dog fans it's the dog cast episode number 170 me and bill are back in the bunker absolutely glorious day for football yesterday we watched the dogs take down vanderbilt and brian evans in a um uh, in a, you know, a what they call a workmanlike game, old dog.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, they're going to throw that out, workmanlike, blue, blue con- collar. <laughs> Pretty soon, maybe they're going to be saying we're playing Rick Ball. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe we can even keep a lunchbox under our belt because we just, or uh, under the bench because we just go about our business. We're
0: just working hard out there.
1: But, you we- know, I mean, I feel as giddy about this win as I did last week's against Tennessee.
0: Yeah, we're, uh, we're not going to go negative. I mean, it's not that we feel bad. I mean, but... We just don't feel good. It's just not exciting. I mean, it, it's just blah. And, uh,
1: you know, I've got a couple things. You mentioned the uh, Brian Evans yeah. thing on that, and that we actually defeated him. I have heard some rumors that he may actually be a mole. For other SEC teams and that he is actually getting paid under the table to try to
0: undermine our defensive back. Like like he's out for hire for right. for, for whichever team pays for them getting up. burned. Right. Because I'm telling you, yesterday it's We'll seemed... get
1: beat for money.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and try make it look good. He's almost there, but his arms are never quite long enough to reach the ball. And again, Brian, look, man, we're not, I'm not mad at you. I mean, I'm really not. No, and
1: I mean. I know you're doing, he's doing the best he can. Right, and we're joking a little bit, and it's your expense. But, you know, the thing is.
0: He did did single-handedly try to lose the game yesterday.
1: And, you know, as we've often said, everybody (laughs) in any kind of sport has their limitations. Right. Some folks get professional. Some folks, like myself, had to call it quits after high school. Brian, I think you should have followed my lead. Yeah, you, Brian's I mean, one of
0: those guys that is.
1: Look, you're doing, you know, I'm sure the kid is trying just as hard as he can. He just doesn't have the talent to do it.
0: No. There,
1: and I was glad to see that he got sat down and, uh, let's give this boy Cufflink a chance to see how he's going to do.
0: <laughs> Vance, Vance Cufflink. That's him. All right. So dog fans, we did win 24 to 14. It was a game a lot like, it felt a lot like the Tennessee game. I think we are the best team in the country between the 20s. We are raising Cain like a house on fire between the 20s. Moreno, 178 yards. On what, 23 carries? You got Green reeling in passes, 130 yards and catches. This game was offensively all about Moshe Moreno and A.J. Green. Oh, no doubt about it.
1: Uh, You know, Green made some great catches, made some great adjustments on, quite frankly, for what were some poorly thrown balls. Uh, Matthew Stafford did not have a stellar day at quarterback.
0: No, to say the least. I tell you, you know, the thing about A.J. Green is it's not just that he catches the ball, which is a big deal, but it's the adjustments he makes. Downfield, 30, 40 yards downfield, he's looking to the inside shoulder, but hey, because it's, it's an outside shoulder ball. Or maybe you need to do a cartwheel before he catches the ball. You know, when Matthew Stafford's delivering the ball, the way he's delivering the ball, you need to be flexible and you need to be confident in what you're doing with your body. And did you see in the did you see where AJ Green said he's catching? He was so distraught about missing that touchdown pass and about me calling him out saying you owe me a touchdown, mm-hmm. AJ. Average 300 balls a day in practice this week to try and make up for it and make sure he was concentrating on looking the ball into his hands. Well,
1: you got to love that kind of determination with the kid and really kind of a self-imposed thing on himself,
0: mm-hmm. which
1: you got to like. It didn't take one of the coaches out there, you know, riding him hard saying you're going to do this, you're going to do that. You know, he just went out there and said, look, you know, I feel horrible about that and, uh, you know, I'm going to make up for it. I'm going to start catching balls. And I like the fact that he decided – he would catch footballs instead of tennis balls or something (laughs) else like that, too. Exactly. You know, because that is actually what we're throwing in a game.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, You
1: know, we were talking about Stafford a little bit earlier. I just, the funny thing was, you know, they're showing the game highlights. You know, they show them up on the big Videotron and all of that. And I really can't remember, probably other than the touchdown pass, to Momass in the end zone where he really kind of did hit Momass in stride on that. I cannot think of one pass that we caught where the receiver was actually after he caught the ball, except maybe on these little short screens, where he was actually able to make some yards after the catch. And then, you know, you follow that up. So many good things can happen when you hit the receiver in stride. And I keep going back to that pass Momass caught against Florida. You know, that first last long ball we threw last yeah. year, you know, he's out, he reaches out his hands, the ball is delivered perfectly, drops in, and boom, he never breaks stride and runs by everyone else.
0: If he, he has to turn around and come back to the ball, or, or run through the defender to get to it. Or
1: drop to his knees to catch it, or, I mean,
0: Stafford, like inter- has,
1: just, Stafford has just got to
0: really pick up his game, because he is not throwing well. I think his mental game is there and I think his leadership is there but his technical delivery of the ball on the interception yesterday at the two-yard line you know he's throwing off his back foot because he's got all the arm in the world and what happens the ball's about two three yards short and instead of a touchdown it's a pick. Well and some of that may come from just the
1: fact that and I know he says all the right things about it And we're going to talk about people saying the right things in a little bit but uh I I I think he's nervous in the pocket.
0: You think? I do.
1: Uh, Back up here, getting me a. uh, Yeah, just he's got a situation there where I just. And you think that's the problem with the delivery?
0: We're back to where we were at the beginning of last year. Yes. Well, I just don't think
1: he feels comfortable enough, and uh, you know you can't blame him. I mean, he's got three freshmen and two sophomores starting up there, and I don't think anyone except maybe for Ben Jones at center has played the position they're playing now for more than two weeks.
0: Well, that's a good segue because I want to focus this week on the offensive line just because I want to give those guys some love. Because I'm telling you, Clint Bowling and Cordy Glenn and Ben Jones, I'm telling you, oh, the ringer. I want to give the offensive line some love. Because I'm telling you, if I had a truckload of Clint Bowlings and Ben Joneses, man, we could whip the world, you know? Cordy Glenn, those guys, Chris Davis, they are all doing a good job. Justin Anderson probably had maybe the weakest game of the front five yesterday, but he's still doing a pretty good job for where he is in his career. Huge kid. And I think he's got a ton of potential. So... I just want you to know, Clint Bowling, Ben Jones, we see what you're doing out there. You guys are making a name for yourself by not making a name for yourself. You're in the middle of the line, getting it done, unsung heroes of the offense.
1: Yeah, I mean, we are doing everything we can with what we've got. And uh, your hat certainly goes off to those guys. They are trying just as hard as they possibly can.
0: I'm telling you, buddy. And that offensive line, and of course, goes out saying, Coach Searles, Fantastic coach. And we got a special treat. We got a special treat coming up for the listeners. Our LSU pregame show, hopefully, if we can work this all out, we're going to have a special interview. You know, anybody can get a coach, right? You know, we go for a more in depth look. We're going to have Taylor Searles, Coach Searles' daughter, coming on the show, giving us some inside info about the interactions between the players. And the coach, Searles, and I'm telling you guys, you guys are going to dig what Little Miss Searles has got to say about her dad, and about the inside info about what she's got to say about Trenton event, and the other guys on the offensive line that are in and out of the game.
1: Wow, reality radio.
0: Reality radio, baby. Taylor Searles coming on the show Wednesday when we do the pregame show for LSU. Now, oh, breaking news. The CBS website says they're not going to announce the game time. Old dog, CBS website says they're going to announce the game time till Monday afternoon. But you know right now, with definitive proof, when the LSU game is going to be right
1: next Saturday at three thirty.
0: Three thirty, dog fans and old dog. Do you think that's is that a good thing or a bad thing? I I think
1: it's a good thing. Uh, It's never it's never a good thing to have to go into Baton Rouge to play LSU because they are tough down there. This game against South Carolina side, Uh, we sure don't need to go in there overconfident at all, but I do, I would prefer to play LSU in the middle of the afternoon, which is going to be 2.30 there, as opposed to you know, 7, 8 o'clock at night when those Cajuns have gotten all liquored <laughs> up <laughs> Tell me and, what. you know, done everything else. And, you know, they're hooting and hollering and stuff. I mean, that is just a magical place at night. Absolutely. And probably one of the toughest places to play. I mean, it's going to be loud, unlike our stadium yesterday. Yeah. Uh, and they are going to go for broke. And we're going to need to show up. And, quite frankly, we are going to have to play a whole lot better next Saturday than we have played so far this season.
0: Now, I don't want to do the LSU pregame breakdown right here, but and you and I, not. we did both sit in the bunker. We, oh, Dog fans, I want you to know, we have a 10-foot wide 720p high-def screen down here that we watched the away games on. And we did break down that LSU film last night, and there are some opportunities. LSU does present some opportunities. They're not the fearsome force that I thought they were three or four weeks ago. So we're going to have some news for you about LSU later in the week,
1: and we'll be bringing that up on Wednesday.
0: That's right. Now penalties yesterday, dogs five penalties, no up downs this week because they did hit Coach Rick's magic number of five or less. Yeah, five for forty seven yards. But old dog, I know you and I we have a little opinion about this. Well, penalties.
1: and I tell you, there were two of them, uh, two in the same drive, which was Vanderbilt's first touchdown drive. Two very questionable. Uh, pass interference penalties, I quite frankly don't think either one of them should have been pass interference. Uh, I don't know what it is. I don't know if the refs have it in force, what the deal is. But those were just, those were bullcrap calls.
0: How in the hell can Asher Allen be deeper than the receiver, be inside the receiver, be turned looking at the ball, going for the pick? And interfere with the receiver while he's being pushed down by the receiver during the play.
1: I all I can think of is Asher Allen's back got in the way of the receiver's hands when he was pushing him to the ground.
0: <laughs> I'm telling you what, dog fans, the refs, man, those two play, those two calls were horrible. They were, and I, I don't know how to account for it, but I'm glad we only got five, 47 yards is a, is a new low for the dogs. We are the most penalized team in the United States. Yep. And we did make some inroads against that yesterday, and that was a that was a big key. How about um, sacks, old dog? We had another game, you know. We we did get the big sack on the blitz, you know. No, no, um, we didn't. Wait, we we what about the, we had the blitz, the one blitz late in the game, and we didn't sack that guy.
1: No, no, he threw it away. And I actually think we had a few more blitzes that got picked up. Okay, that was just the only time that there was somebody in a red jersey running free in the backfield of Vanderbilt. And it was quite a shock to see. (laughs) It was exciting. I kind of got
0: carried away. It
1: was amazing.
0: Seeing pressure on the quarterback kind of got, I thought since that's the closest thing we've had to a sack this year. um, And and let's talk about that for a minute.
1: You know, even though we probably did blitz some, I mean we had defensive ends covering running backs and stuff like that that i think was probably the only time that we actually sent more players than vanderbilt had blockers cuz okay, even though we are blitzing sometimes which i guess the true definition of a blitz is you know when you send a linebacker in or a defensive back or something like that it was i think that that one play was really the first time we sent more than 5 coming in to where we just outmanned them right. and no uh, that was it, good to see. It it, it was. I mean, I loved and, it. I, and, we need
0: we need a I lot tell you, more. And I'm not
1: going to I'm not going to beat the drum too much on this because the defense really has played pretty well. But it, it's hard to say how well they've played against the caliber teams we've had. I'm going to say this though. My euphoria over the last half of last season has has worn off. It is no longer there. And I am now As I was, except for about seven or eight games, not a fan of Willie Martinez as our defensive coordinator. He is, I I really don't think he knows what the hell he's doing. Uh, He's also our defensive backs coach, which is obviously the weakest part of uh, our game. And as long as we're talking about coordinators, Mike Bobo needs to get his head out of his butt. I have no idea what he is doing, what kind of plays he's calling, what he's trying to accomplish. There is n- no consistency, no anything that wait. goes on. We get onto to something that works, and damn, if we don't go away from it. Wait, a second. If, uh, wait If Coach Rick has a pair of cojones, he's letting those two boys go at the end of the season. No,
0: come on now, come on. God almighty, come on. Now listen, I'm gonna defend Coach Bobo for just a second here, okay? You want toss sweeps. You got toss sweeps yesterday. You had, and what Harea. did we do
1: with toss sweeps? We scored touchdowns. Yep.
0: And then we had a couple we, stuff, we had them. a couple stuff for losses. Okay, look, they don't work every time. You only had one pirouette screen yesterday. That's a that was a big cut down yeah. from the forty we had the previous and, week, and
1: luckily the receiver dove down to block the defensive back, or the ball would have
0: hit him in the head. You had a pirouette screen yesterday where MoMAs had no idea the ball was even coming at all. No, and because. Stafford is locked in this little pirouette where his back is to the receiver. He doesn't know that the receiver doesn't know that the ball is coming. So he just turns and just fires it into the flat, and there's not even a red jersey looking at the ball. Worst play in our playbook right now. But no fades yesterday. I think Coach Bobo did a better job, a much better job, of calling offensive play calling yesterday. And, I mean, you know, because we can't score in the red zone, That's a problem, and that's something Bobo's got to work on. I I think
1: he has done a subpar job as offensive coordinator all year long.
0: I will agree with that, but I'm not saying we got to pack his bags at the end of the year. I'm not that. I'm not going there. I am. We we could have Tony Franklin from Vanderbilt. We could have Mr. Intensity, Randy Sanders, or Rob Spence from Clemson. The lunatic, Randy Sanders. Exactly. I mean, listen, Mike Bobo is perfectly serviceable in a workmanlike blue collar way. Okay.
1: But that's not what we are. <laughs> okay. Something something needs to happen. We are just I, I don't know what's going on offensively, and as long as we're doing this, I gotta call Coach Rick out too. Yeah. This there, there are stories in the paper on rivals and stuff. This Here we crap
0: go. Here we go.
1: about No Sean is taking himself out of the game and then tells the coaches when he wants to go in. That that story has as much believability, Coach, as two weeks ago when you said you weren't worried about penalties.
0: So Coach Rick says, for those of you who don't know, and by the way, can you tell that Old Dog's getting louder? He's getting closer and closer to the microphone. A little piece of spit are starting to fly out of his mouth. He's getting excited, okay? So yesterday, a lot of people were upset that NoShawn wasn't in there. you got a guy who carries the ball 23 times for more than 170 yards, and he's being taken out at very inopportune times and being replaced by a kid who, you know, half the state of Georgia thinks walks on water, but the facts are 11 carries, 40 yards. He is not fit to carry NoShawn Moreno's cleats and... Coach Rick says that Moreno is completely in charge of taking himself in and taking himself out, and when he wants to take himself out, he takes himself out and puts himself in, blah, 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 And blah. you know what I say to that, poppycock. I know what you say to that, okay? And everybody listening knows what you say to that. I'm saying, even if that's true, even if that's true, Noshon needs help on knowing when he needs to be in the game and when out of the game. Because on a third and eight, We do not need to have Caleb King running into the yard for his customary one or two yards per carry. Well,
1: and not only that, but I mean, what Coach Rick said just doesn't hold water. I know. You know, I mean, he said, you know, if he's run a couple times and he's winded, he comes out. Or he may take a hit and he's hurting a little bit, but doesn't want the defense to know it. So he comes out, stays on the sideline, and when the hurt goes away, he does it. Coach, uh uh-uh. We sent on on our last second-to-last drive where we needed to control the ball, hopefully score a touchdown to put him away. Noshon wasn't winded because he doesn't play defense. I don't think he was hurt he because he was, after Caleb King lost six yards on the first play, <laughs> damn if Noshon didn't come trotting back in there and I think picked and get up his 12, 12 exactly. on the next play and then 15 on the one after that. So look, Coach, take it from an old liar. If you're going to tell oh, them, make sure you got the facts to back them up.
0: Don't be calling my boy. Don't go there. Now, but here's let's listen. If you don't believe that championship football players, guys like Sean Moreno, they want the ball. I bet if you No. Sean Moreno, he would tell you he would carry the ball 50 times a game. Oh, I think so. And I mean, I have seen
1: after 3-4 runs, Sean signals he comes out and he comes to out. get a blow, and probably after one or two plays, he's all ready to come right back in,
0: but that don't account for eleven carries for Caleb King does not need eleven carries when Nosho's in the middle of a record breaking day
1: right and hopefully and and I really did hope this because I know coach loves anything by committee um you know i I was hoping that last year proved that you need one running back. You need a you need a starting running back, and you need a backup. And sharing the load just doesn't work. I don't know what they promised Caleb King, you know, if this is some kind of thing where they've told him he's going to get X number of carries a game, and they're going to put him in in real game situations where stuff is on the line. If you did, you know, shame on you. Because uh, no needs to be in there carrying the ball a lot more than
0: he is. How can we say... i got two more things to say about it, and then we're going to get back to defensive backs. How can we say with any kind of credibility, that we're really trying to help Sean win the Heisman. We got t-shirts, Sean Heisman, this whole Heisman effort, which granted is underwater right now anyway, but how can you legitimately say you're in for NoShawn running the Heisman when he's in the middle of a record-setting day, and you've got him on the bench, and he's given, given up carries that he could be carrying the ball. And if you don't think that NoShawn was not winded yesterday, look no further than the video highlight they brought back from 1980. A young Herschel Walker carries the ball for 278 80, 84 yards. 284 yards, and let me tell you something, he could have gone for 284 more yards if we had played a couple more quarters. Well, they pulled him out in the third quarter. Right. It wasn't I mean, because he was winded. No. It wasn't because he was tired. Championship football players can can carry the rock. And no Sean needs to be getting more carries. Caleb needs maybe no more than four to six carries a game unless NoShawn Moreno is hurt. And I don't want to see him carry the ball more than one or two plays in any given series. Yeah, and
1: as, as the great outlaw Josie Wales said in the movie, Coach, don't piss down my back and tell me it's raining, okay?
0: <laughs> All That that game yesterday was all about Sean Moreno and A.J. Green. We got a receiver out there getting 130 yards in catches. We got Sean getting 178 yards in rushes. Those two kids can carry the ball. They can. And they, that's all we need to know about.
1: That's right. And on a day when the quarterback wasn't up to his regular standard, we needed to run the ball more than we did.
0: Right. Now, let's get back to defensive backs and Willie Martinez because I think it's important to point out uh, Prince Miller, you know, You look at the different ways that our defensive backs are hurting us right now. And I don't want to pile on them, but I have to. Talk about a couple
1: guys that need to be catching 300 balls a day in practice. Asher Allen.
0: Look at Asher Allen. He has balls hitting him in the face mask, balls hitting him in the hands, balls hitting him in the chest. He can't pick one of them. Prince Miller, who I do still like. I don't have any ill will. I don't have any ill will towards Asher Allen either. But these kids, they I think, unlike Brian Evans... I do think that Prince Miller and Asher Allen can do better than they're doing. And, Prince, put your heels on the 10, son. When you're returning a punt, put your heels on the 10, and if he goes over your head, don't go back and fair catch a ball on the 4 or the 2. Come on.
1: Yeah, I mean, Ten-year-olds
0: know that. Hey,
1: I coach 11- and 12-year-olds. In a punt situation, you say, put your heels on the 10. If the ball goes over your head, you, you don't move backwards. Don't backpedal. Just wave your hand in the air so you won't get hit and and let what happens
0: happen. But you look at that second scoring drive of Vanderbilt. On the second scoring drive, Prince blows up the punt, puts us in the hole. Mike Bobo calls some plays. We go three and out. We punt it to him. Asher doesn't get the pick. And then they throw at Brian Evans, and, of course, that results in a touchdown. Yeah. Three different guys, all of them defensive backs, hurting us in a lot of different ways. And that is an area of opportunity. I know we say they can't do any better and they're doing the best they can, and that may be true, but I was also glad to see Vance Cuff come in the game. We've got to do better. Oh, yeah. And, if we're going to beat Florida and when and, LSU. The people,
1: and when the people you've got out there aren't doing the job, uh, you need to put other people out there and give them a shot you got to do something. But, uh, you know, we were calling for Coach Martinez's head last year, and, uh, you know, I'm starting that up again. I'm close. Willie's got to go. We
0: need more blitzes. Free, more free pressure. Willie. More pressure. More blitzes. And those guys, if Jarius Wynn can't bring the heat from the corner, somebody else needs to bring the heat from the corner. We need a Marcus Howard bad. Because we're getting to the part of the season now, old dog, where you know. The game, play time's over. The Vanderbilts of the season, the Georgia Southerns, the Chippewas, that part of the season, that's over yeah. with. I mean, we saw what happened when we played a real team,
1: and we sure don't want to see that again.
0: No, we don't. Now, not only did we have another game where we didn't have a sack, we had another game where we didn't have a catch by the tight end. And you know, as well as I do, I'm a big fan of the tight end. I'm an old tight end myself. We were tight end you there for a while. We were tight end you for a long time. And I know we have Until they a- call it milner disease. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. How can we have all these games where we don't even have an attempt to our tight end? Well,
1: I, I think a lot of that, though, truly does come from the fact that They we, don't want to
0: put Figgins in harm's way?
1: No, I, I, that we need them on the line to help block.
0: Man, I, the- <laughs> I really
1: think we are just so weak across the front that we need all the bodies we can get up there. Think- we're, not, we're not pulling the... When, when Sutherland's in... And it's not a running play. You know, how many times last year did we see him go out for that little five-yard flare and then he'd take it up another five or ten yards, mm. you know, and do something? Man, he ain't doing that either. I mean, he's staying in. We are pretty much... We're when, max protect when, when Stafford When Stafford, and thank heavens we have, you know, receivers like Mo Mass, Michael Moore, A.J. Green. D'Amico. But... I mean, we're in a situation, I think, when a pass play is called, we are pretty much in mass protect every time. Yeah. And that's really nobody's fault. That's just, you know, we've been riddled by injuries, and we've got young, inexperienced, and undersized kids across the line.
0: Well... I agree, I agree and, yeah, but i I do I don't want to, you know it was a win. it was a good win. We beat a top twenty five team yesterday, a team that the media likes, a team that has beat some other teams this year, and I was glad to get the w um I did seem like we were sleepwalking at sometimes. it seemed like the fans were sleepwalking.
1: I've never heard the stadium that quiet I know. when there have been people in it.
0: <laughs> I tell you I know I mean every night we go to sleep, of course, it's yeah. really quiet up there, but um you know it was. You know, I don't know. It was just a game. The weather. Whew, weather was great. Perfect. Overcast, 64 degrees. Yeah. Perfect. Great khaki weather. All the girls, homecoming best. I love that. You know, I mean, um, it, it was just a Saturday in Athens with a game that was just... Lackluster. Lackluster effort. Yeah. And let me tell you, when we have a lackluster game, you get a lackluster podcast. We can't be excited and tell you how great things are. The two bright spots, A.J. Green no, Sean Marino, Matthew Stafford not delivering a good ball.
1: No, and I mean what we, everybody, across offense, defense is going to have to play a whole lot better if we're going to be in the next two ball games. Uh, you know, probably most everybody watched the LSU South Carolina game like we did here in the bunker. Uh, you know, Carolina gave LSU fits till you saw. <laughs> Defensive adjustments at halftime. Coach may want to think about making some of those. Uh, Yeah. You know, pretty much shut Carolina down. They got a little more confidence. I mean, the key to LSU is they've got a decent running game. We've got a great, whoa, our, our defense whoa, whoa, whoa. stops. That's
0: pre-game show. No, You're right, not, don't it get is. It we've, got, show. we've
1: got to play better to beat the next two teams coming up and there let's you go. do it.
0: And that's exactly right. It, and so now here's what you need to concern yourself from now to the pregame show, because this is the argument are we you know saving up keeping our secret weapons on the under wraps and stuff or are we playing as good as we can play and our effort levels just not there and we're going to get blown out by these two teams we're playing
1: i go on the side we're playing as good as we can cuz if we had any secret weapons and didn't pull them out against alabama we're sorely <laughs> sorely lacking
0: well dog fans we're going to have a pregame show for you this week coming out wednesday night we're going to have a interview with a with plate we're bringing taylor searles on the show we're gonna have a lot of fun in that pregame show going down to baton rouge to play at three thirty. all right dog fans that's gonna wrap up this show oh wait that's not gonna wrap up the show but just for you smooth thanks for listening that's all but now we got something else big shout out to Travis from Bogota. Absolutely. Thanks for coming by our seats, buddy, hanging out with us. That was good. Um, I hope we get to talk to your mom and dad. You know, um, they're good Bulldog fans working for the university. Travis representing there with his horn in the arm of the G and the Redcoat Alumni Band. Absolutely. You know, and in talking with Travis and all the stuff he does,
1: I think he may be America's answer to 007. You think Travis might be a spy? I think he may
0: be. American James Bond. That's right. I got no idea what he had in that black case he was carrying. <laughs> I tell you what. I tell you, man. It was good to see Travis, though. Won the award for second longest travel yeah. to get to homecoming in the Redcoat Band. I thought that was cool. It was good to be at homecoming, though.
1: It was, and it's always good to have folks drop by, whether
0: we be in Tempe or whether
1: we be right there in good old home Sanford Stadium. That's right. We baby. always love to meet the
0: listeners. That's right, and, and and also, I'm a little disappointed. Jana, I don't know where you're at. Jana, are you still smarting over my uh, third world country comment from last week? Can't believe I hadn't heard anything out of Jana over my joke last week, but what are you going to do? And Travis knows about the show from Jana and the SoCal Dog Club. SoCal Dogs, spreading the love of the Dogcast. There you go. All up and down the West Coast. Dog fans, thanks for listening. Give us a call at 706-534-1516 or email us at dogcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. And this show is brought to you, as always, by the beautiful folks at Belkin. I'm looking at the Belkin Go Studio. Just a marvel, a marvelous piece of technology. (laughs) Thanks, dog that's fans. It. I know exactly. That's all I can plug on Belk, and that uh, they're gonna have to send us some more swag if they want me to talk longer. Thanks a lot, dog fans. Go dogs! Hey,
3: Derek, and old dog. This is Dustin in Charleston. Uh, just got through watching the Vanderbilt game. Just want to say it was a great win for the dogs. Uh, I was most pleased with their play than I have been at any time this season so far. So that's a positive. There are two players in particular that I was most impressed with, and that was Rashad Jones, the safety for the dogs. He had one almost two interceptions. And when any player on the defense couldn't catch the ball, he was there to, or couldn't tackle the player with the ball, he was there to make the tackle. So, I mean, that that was impressive. Also, Sean Chappas apparently went to the Brandon Sutherland School for fullbacks because he, he, he was very impressive in this game. Making some catches, great blocks for Nocho Marino. So this is a this is a great win for the Dogs. I was glad to see it. Uh, we're still on the tough of this. Got to play LSU in Florida, but I'm hoping we can pull that out. Looks like the Dogs are back on the right path. Uh, that's pretty much it. Go Dogs!
0: You know, man, you're exactly right. I I'm gonna actually comment on these calls today, which is something we don't normally do, but. You're right. We did forget to talk about Sean Chappas and Rashad Jones. Rashad Jones actually did come up this week, make a lot more tackles, was a lot more active in the game. He said after the game, he was tired of Rennie Curran getting all the press. You know, he was kind of joking, but, uh, he did have a huge game and Sean Chappas continues to be our starter at fullback and is really being effective. Like I said, it looks like he has gone to the Brandon Sutherland School of Fullbacking because he's got that little pass, the little swing-out pass. He's doing a great job at blocking. He is really coming on strong as a replacement for Sutherland and uh, making it hard for Sutherland to get the right number of snaps he wants. So uh, congratulations to both those guys. But just goes to show you, all kinds of Georgia fans can watch the game and have all kinds of different feelings You have that guy, Dustin, watching the game, feeling good about it. Then you have calls like this guy.
3: Hey, Derek and Old Dog, man. This is uh, Joshua out in Douglasville, Georgia. Um, I just want to say that uh, I'm watching the game right now, uh, Georgia Vandy, and I've never called your hotline or your comment line before, but I'm so enraged already what I've seen so far just on the first drive, and I guess I'm pulling an Old Dog here that we can't even uh, have decent play calling on second down and third down. I mean, we're running no Sean. He's already got probably about 45 or 50 yards, and we want to run a bootleg with Stafford. Uh, it's just making me sick to my stomach to watch this, and I'm sure old dog's probably spinning in his chair right now. Um, but hopefully uh, I get to see something better on down the road or in this game because it, you know Blair Walsh has already missed a field goal. It smells like 2006 all over again. Hopefully I get to be proven wrong on your show, uh, when you have the post game. Later guys.
4: Hey, Derek, this is Derek from Greer, South Carolina sitting here watching the game. I was just curious, which one of our coaches is in such love with Brian Evans to keep him in the game. I love your comment that he couldn't cover your grandma. And I believe it. if he was tied to the receiver, he still couldn't cover him. Have a good day.
0: Great question, Derek. And, uh, As we said, Willie Martinez is our defensive back coach as well as our defensive coordinator. So take what you will. The same guy who's calling our blitz packages is the guy who coaches Brian Evans.
4: Hey, guys. Jeff in Boise here. Uh, Just finished watching the Vanderbilt game. Have a couple of comments. Uh, Let's see. It's kind of a split personality game for me. me. Let me put it to you this way. The old dog side of me says this is a bunch of crap. We're a mediocre team. We played a mediocre Vandy team and barely beat them. Uh, this is who we are at this point in the season. We're not going to get any better. There's no chance with the national championship or even the SEC East. We're just who we are. We're going to lose two more games, maybe three. Don't know. The Derek side of me says, "Hey, now we're looking pretty good. We ran up good, good offensive stats. We we won the game. We're looking better than we were at this point last year when we turned the corner at Vandy and ran the table." So, at the end of the day, I'm just kind of confused, a little split personality out action out here in Boise. Anyway, can't wait to hear your thoughts of the game, still waiting for the breakout game that, uh, that'll that make me happy, and um, put me all the way into the Derek side of things, so I can forget about the negativity and the old dog side of things, but we all have to be realistic, right, isn't that right, Bill? Anyway, go dogs. can't wait to hear the show.
0: Jeff, I got to tell you, I don't know which side of you is right—the Derek side or the old dog side—but the Derek side definitely better looking. And this is the last call. It's from Dogcast Technical Support, our good buddy up in Washington D.C. And I'm not going to seeless thunder on his call, but I've got a question for you, Mister Scott. Why were you not in the Redcoat Alumni Band this weekend? I don't want to hear any of your crappy excuses. You should have been playing in the Red Code Alumni Band for Homecoming.
2: Derek Old Dog, dog Technical Support, Washington. Give me a shave with Derek. I know that they had some problems today. And, you know, because I can, I can hear it. They didn't broadcast it here in the D.C. area. But I heard the game. And there was some phantom, at least that's what Scott Howard said on the radio, some phantom. Uh, pass interference calls, but do me a favor. Take the bottle of Captain Morgan, first empty it, and break it over Old Dog's head if he starts going blatantly negative on the upcoming show. That's all. You know, a little negative, a little criticism, but to get so blatant about it like you did last time, not this time. This is homecoming. Give it a break. If not, I'll do it first, like I said, empty the bottle of Captain Morgan. Have a drink for me. Otherwise, it's still a wind. It's still six and one. How about them dogs? <laughs>